That's what we need to do in our lives is point out the things that matter to us and the things that are important and recognize why we want the things that we want and to know that that's okay. It's okay for whatever reason you want it, you want it. Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss. Each week we celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, parenting experts, moms all over the world. Our daughter, Sabrina, woke up yesterday morning yelling, I am three. I can't believe we have a three-year-old. Later in the afternoon, we were talking about how now that she's three, she's not two. And she goes, I'll never be two again. It was like a little toddler existential crisis. I was like, oh, just like your mommy. Today is a homecoming episode. Bianca Kylick is back. All you listeners who have joined us since November 2015, you'd recognize our guest today from the television shows Rules of Engagement or Undateable or the classic film Bring It On. Those of you who go back more than the past 40-something episodes, oh man, I feel like I've been flying solo for a while. I mean, it has been a while. I mean, it feels like centuries. You know Bianca. Man, you know her so well. She's our co-founder. We created Atomic Moms together in 2014. We were a couple of crazy, sleep-deprived mamas who decided to do a podcast every week. And this was before cereal existed. Not the breakfast food, but the podcast. We were on our little podcast paddle boards, paddling out before the big waves started to come in, and people even knew what podcasts were. We released an episode together almost every single week, and we are a fantastic odd couple. We're like the hotter versions of Oscar and Felix. Before you start thinking I'm an egomaniac and calling myself super hot, if you just watch like a YouTube clip of the odd couple, you'll know I'm not saying much. Although Bianca is beautiful inside and out. She's also deeply spiritual. She gave me this Himalayan sea salt lamp that I have on my desk. It's pink. It's really pretty. I'm not really sure what it's supposed to do for me, but uh, it makes me feel special. She gets excited about projects. She throws herself in wholeheartedly whatever she's doing in the moment. She's sensual and compassionate, and she has the most contagious laugh. So where did this wonderful woman go? In November of 2015, she did a gut check. She left the podcast because it just wasn't for her anymore. And she'll talk about that on this episode. And I stuck with the podcast because when I turned away from all the noise and the fear flying around me about the future and logistics— And when I honed in on the actual thing itself and I asked myself, Ellie, does this make you happy? Does it make you happy? The answer was still yes. So I figured it out. I wrestled with a lot of self-doubt. I learned a lot of new skills. And the show has, (laughs) it's really continued to grow. Because here's the thing, I realize that I love talking to people on this show about what matters most in their lives. I also really like getting messages from listeners. I got one a couple weeks ago. It said this, as a lesbian mom of twin boys, one of whom has Asperger's, I can personally vouch for the importance of podcasts like yours that celebrate the crazy, wonderful diversity of parenting experiences. There you go. 
that message alone is enough to keep me going till October. <laughs> so today we're talking about saying no, letting go. Bianca did a gut check and the podcast wasn't making her happy anymore. And it's a very brave thing in today's world to say no. As mothers, we get so caught up in not wanting to hurt people's feelings. I mean, we love feeling obligated, don't we? Maybe you don't. I do. I'm going to say we so I don't feel so alone. Just stick with me here. We love feeling obligated. And isn't obligation just such a sucky word? When I say it in my mouth, it makes it just tastes bad obligation. Bianca could have stayed out of obligation for me. But here's the crazy thing. She was actually being a way more generous partner to me by being honest about where she stood. If you don't like doing something, stop, right? No, seriously, let's just stop doing it. We don't have to do everything. We don't even have to do most things. We don't need to take every opportunity that comes our way. That's a hard one for me to swallow sometimes, but it's true. And I need to also remember that when I do say yes to something, that means I'm saying no to something else. If something isn't filling us up, it's time to walk away. Especially if it's not helping us pay the bills. This weekend, I felt obligated to throw Sabrina a big birthday party. A couple kids in her class have already thrown the most amazing birthday parties. But we said no. We had the most intimate, beautiful little weekend. So if you're struggling with that obligation right now, just know that Atomic Mom stands with you in solidarity. Next year, I might rent out a whole arena. I'm not saying I won't, but I won't be doing it out of obligation. Why am I talking in a Texas accent? Oh, yeah, I've been binge-watching Friday Night Lights. What's Coach always say? Um, clear eyes, no, full hearts. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Well, we got some full hearts on this show, especially today. Bianca and I have full hearts. Oh, my God, did you just hear my tummy growl? It's from all the cake I ate last night. <sighs> we got full hearts. I can just hear my mother's voice going, bleeding hearts. Actually, everyone in the state of Texas, my home state, would probably be saying that right now. Um I should share that I was laughing while I was attempting to edit this episode because this conversation is classic, Bianca and Ellie. You can't tame us. So we'll just go with the flow, okay? Blow up your raft. Get your Atomic Mom's koozies and a cold beer or cold brew coffee. You know those bottles look the same. Uh, and just ride down our stream of consciousness. I was listening to a little meditation this morning. I write the best to-do list in my mind when I'm meditating. <laughs> and Deepak Chopra's got this great mantra. It'll be our mom bomb today. And I think it ties in nicely with this conversation. I am fulfilled and I can be who I want to be. I am fulfilled and I can be who I want to be. I'll be right back with Miss Bianca Kylik. It's crazy to me, and I don't know why I'm even surprised by it anymore, how like life just kind of unfolds and you think it's total chaos, but when you look at it kind of in retrospect, it's like this perfectly orchestrated dance of like where you're at and what you need to know. And for Mike and I, 
it's like everything has fallen apart. And in a good way, for, for some reasons, in, in harder ways for others. But like, so Undateable got canceled, as you know, yes. <laughs> this year. So husband is not going to work. For our new listeners who have yes. not heard about Undateable for the yes. past six months. <laughs> uh, so we met because she was the female lead of an NBC sitcom called Undateable. And my husband was the creator of it and the co-showrunner of it. And it was Bianca and Mai's life forever. Oh. And like, I'm so grateful for it because it brought her to me. Uh, and then we got to bird this crazy ass podcast together. Yeah. And then, you know, everything got nuts. And I realized like this just wasn't the podcast was taking away from me more than it was giving. And it was like Ellie's passion burning within her. And it just ended up taking on this amazing new life with you. And it's so good. Like, it's so funny when I listen to it now, because the opening music, I'm yeah. like, oh, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> so, it's so interesting to hear you say that because some people lately have been like, you know, the show really shifted and they always comment on the music. Oh, really? And I want to be like, well, that's because I didn't want to get sued because we were no longer with, <laughs> we were no longer with the production company. But I think that it really does have uh, the spirit that you and I brought on. You know what I mean? Like it feels l the the support for women and also like accepting like the ugly and the dark yeah. and uh, being honest about it all. Also, I just think that like when you think about like mamas and even I know there's a lot of people who listen who aren't even moms yet, but like when you think about when you get the time to sit down and listen to this podcast, like initially for us, it was like this screaming, running in craziness and yours is much more like, Ah, like it, it's like it's like when you finally put them down for the nap and you get that moment to yourself. To me, it's so much more fitting. Well, thank you. So, uh, big shout out to composer Jeremy Turner for the music. Woohoo! Woohoo! Uh, so, when you left Atomic Moms, you were knee deep in Undateable. Uh, it, the sitcom, the third season, was live, live <laughs> which is crazy and some people might not know what that means basically imagine saturday night live uh but with a sitcom so yeah. it was scripted but the actors would constantly go off, off on different yeah. tangents and uh and you would have a musical guest and it was really crazy and it was super time intensive it was super time intensive and because like scripts would come down as Ellie knows because there were nights where Adam didn't come home like literally scripts would a new script would come in like Friday morning at 5 a.m. And we would be shooting it that evening. Um, so it just was really, and, and also it was just on the on the cusp of where Magnolia was really starting to um, notice that I wasn't home. You know, I think there's that stage like around um, a year, year and a half where they really start to like become adamant about their wants. And for Magnolia, it was like, she was really starting to uh, have separation anxiety when I was leaving. And so there was this guilt when I was all, gone all week and then also trying to find time for our, our podcast. And and Mike was gone all night. And Mike was gone all night. Line. Yeah. And so, um, and I think too, I loved doing it with you. I had so much fun. But I also think I was like, this just isn't necessarily as much my thing as I thought it would be. And um, And I think that's so important in life is like, try things out if they feel great. It obviously felt amazing to you and you just ran with it and have totally made it your own. And for me, um, it was just a different experience. And it's funny because I just went to go see this amazing um, 
she, she says that she gives medicine readings and I didn't even know what that meant. Uh, and I went to go, to go and sit with her and have this little medicine ceremony and it ended up being kind of like a therapy session slash like sound bowl ceremony thing. It was like, we listeners, talk. Bianca's back. <laughs> it was like an hour of amazing talk. And then I laid there and she like sang these beautiful songs in this Native American language and like tinkled these bells all over me. And I held crystals in my hands. And I'm telling you, it was weird. The things I felt, I was telling my very Catholic mother about it. And she was like, I was expecting her to be like, okay, come on. And she was like, I'm getting goosebumps. Um, Cause so I was like, give us goosebumps. What did, what did, what did you tell your Catholic mom? Well, so I had these crystals in my hands and I was laying on my back and she has you kind of do this breathing and my hands started to vibrate. And I thought at first it must be, cause you know, I'm really open to that kind of stuff, but you know, I'm also way into it. Uh, and, but, but also I, I have, I think a healthy skepticism about it. Um, and so I was like, maybe it's because the breathing I'm doing is a little too shallow and I'm getting a little dizzy or something. So then I like regulated my breathing and then the vibration in my hands got even stronger. And then it felt like the, like there were connected points in my knees. Like I almost felt like someone was pushing my knees down. Like I couldn't move them. Um, and then I know this is crazy, but no joke. One of the crystals jumped out of my hand and I had my eyes closed. She had like a little eye pillow over me. And I thought, I know that she's not standing near me, but there has to be some way in which she just came over and moved that. Like it literally, not like fell over, like it moved itself out of my hand. And afterwards I said to her, um, so you came over, right? Like halfway through and moved the crystal out of my hand. She goes, oh, did it move? And I said, yeah. And she goes, no, sometimes they like fly across the table. It's really strange. There's a lot of energy there. And I was like, okay. So um, what is the energy? What is she, what, give me, what, what is it? Well, so, I mean, we're made of energy, right? right. Like our bodies are made of energy and then. Did it need releasing? What yeah. Was the... So there was a lot of stuff that was opening and then it was really crazy too, because she said, um, a man came through and she said, uh, he had salt and uh, he had white hair with a little bit of like salt and pepper underneath. And his face was really red, almost like he had high blood pressure. And I was like, that's my dad. And um, she said, did your dad, uh, drink a lot. And I said, why? And she said, because there was a lot um, going on in the liver, like, uh, like he had a drinking problem. And I said, no, but my dad did have cirrhosis of the liver because of the meds he was on for his heart problems. And it was really beautiful because then we ended up talking about like why I thought my dad came through based on the discussion we had had before and what I was wanting to work on, which was my career and kind of what I'm doing and um, she said, why do you think your dad would come through to help you with your career? And I said, you know, I don't know. And then we started to talk about it. And I realized so nuts. I mean, in all my life, I haven't thought of my dad in this way. But, you know, he's an anesthesiologist, but he had to choose in Czechoslovakia what he wanted to do at like age 13. So it wasn't his passion. He chose it when he was a kid and really didn't know better and was thinking of being in a communist country where he wanted to be able to take care of himself and potentially any family that he would have. And once he moved to the States in a place where you can pretty much do whatever you want to do, um, he was still doing this job. And I knew that he was very unhappy when I was a child. And she said, well, what do you think he would have really wanted to do? And I was like, I don't, I've never thought about like what my parents would have wanted to do other than what they ended up doing. And she goes, well, what did he like to do? And I said, 
Um, he wrote a lot. I found beautiful poetry after he died. He painted a lot. His father was a, was a, a famous painter. And so he was always drawing and he was actually incredibly talented. At it. And I was like, oh my God, my dad was an artist. And it, it choked me up so much because I thought to myself, like, can you imagine? I mean, you and I both know that feeling of wanting to create and make things and the artistry of being to, open to passions and drive in such a kind of uh, abstract way as artists are. And the fact that he was like this man that was responsible for medicine and very mathematical yeah. things of keeping people alive by the amount of medicine you give them during surgery because he was an anesthesiologist. And um, it just made so much sense all of a sudden that here I've been kind of struggling with after Undateable ended, what do I want to really do with myself? What is ultimately, I feel my gift that I want to bring to the world. And my dad was showing up to tell me that to believe in yourself as an artist because he never got to live out that dream like he wanted to. And so that was huge. Um, but the funny thing about it was she said to me, um, so there are two things that you are meant to be in this life, an actress and a mother. And those are the only two things. None of this radio stuff, none of this. So she totally like knew because there's so parts of me that was like, what if I was supposed to keep doing the podcast? And she was like, nope. Mm-hmm. No, you are meant to be two things. And I think it's an important lesson for all of us in this world in which right now it's like the multi-hyphenate, like everybody's right. doing everything, you know, and you look on Instagram or you look on, you know, you read the tabloids or whatever it is. And like these people that you're like, wow, she's really doing it all. And the thing is, you don't have to do it all. You just have to do the things that speak to you. And I've always known that. I've always known for me, I love acting. And and not even like writing so much as I just love being on set and somebody handing me my lines that I'm supposed to say. Um, I don't have a call to be a director, maybe a producer in some capacity, but a very like kind of behind the scenes one. I love acting. It's what I love. And I love being a mom. And those are the two things. And I don't have to do anything else. And that's such a release. So there you have it. <laughs> so anyway, what's crazy about it is that uh, and dateable ended. And like I said, there was kind of this moment of, well, what now? You know, I, I certainly w- could have jumped right back into a couple opportunities that came up that were multicams, the yeah. same things that I had been doing and it just didn't feel right. And so for the first time in over a decade, I don't have a job. <laughs> That's and nuts. how does that feel? Like you're smiling. You're also like touching your arm. You're rubbing your arm. You're soothe, well, self-soothing a little because bit. I, You've got a twinkle in your eye. Yeah. It's exciting. Because I just emerged out of a really deep depression. I was in for about two months, a really hard spot. And I... Uh, what were some of those thoughts? Uh, I felt a sense of hopelessness. I felt a sense of like, I couldn't envision my future. And that was really scary because I started having like really, really strong... Um, thoughts about my death and feeling like I wasn't going to be around for Magnolia. And that yeah, was what terrifying. What is that, by the way? That's something that, I mean, I think part of the reason I keep the podcast going yeah, is because I'm constantly, and uh, a lot of the longtime listeners know I've become totally obsessed with the idea of legacy and yeah. what do I pass on to my child or potential children. And this, a lot of the writers that I interview you can feel that they are writing their work 
for their children to read someday, for their children to understand who they are. And I think that a huge part of what keeps me going every week with the podcast is this idea that this is kind of a time capsule for my child so that if she ever needs to hear my voice, Sabrina, <laughs> I'm right here. Like, no matter where I am, if I'm not around, I'm right here. I'm still here. And it's uh, this, uh, yeah, this need to sort of break through time. Yeah. Because it would be here. Hopefully, I'll be a huge pain in her ass. <laughs> I'm going to be 95 years old living in her garage apartment, like ruining her marriage. Right. So that's what's going to happen. But those fantasies come yeah. up. Yeah. Well, because, and so I, I really kind of went into a cocoon, I would say, from like, around we well and this is the other thing we moved we moved march 1st out of our house to remodel it um and we moved into a, a little like uh, um you know two-story apartment that's in a part of a complex and it was very strange because all of a sudden i was like having flashbacks to my 20s and when i first moved to la and living in these apartment complex except i wasn't cleaning up my own puke i was cleaning up my daughter's and yeah, so it's like totally. totally different. Well, but also you're unemployed. So it's yeah, like, easy it's like, to like oh God, thing. am I sliding back here? Yeah. And I know you're not, but that could come oh, up. Oh, it totally, those fears come up. And so also then a huge thing was my husband, Michael, um, who I met on uh, the radio program Loveline with Dr. Drew, he quit Loveline. So it was like, I mean, we basically just put ourselves through the ringer because it was like a huge purge. It was a purge. It was a total purge. And it was so crazy because here we were in this home um, that wasn't our house. And it's not even a place we can settle into fully because we know in six months time, we're moving back into the house that we've remodeled. So it was this crazy purgatory of like, where am I? And we were both going through it at the same time. And I was just like, I'm supposed to learn something here. This is a huge lesson for me to sit in something and I have to figure out what it is. But I also knew that like, I couldn't push too hard because I was mm -hmm. so like at the edge of falling into something so vastly deep and dark that I was like, I have to be gentle with myself. That's first and foremost. And I need to do whatever I need to do so that I can show up every day as a mom. Um, and thankfully Michael was so amazing during this whole time. And I think being married to somebody who is, um, you know, has dealt with horrific chronic depression his whole life. Like he was very soothing, um, cause he's just, that's what he lives in. And, um, but I started reading a lot and oh, I read so much and I listened to so much. And, you know, I think that's the beauty of today. It's like, you can literally go on your computer and find support in the most unlikely ways. and. Um, one thing that I really um, found that gave me great peace of mind is that, uh, you know, there's there's so much um, spiritual people. I think it's just a, such a, a impactful time in our history where people are really wanting to wake up. People are wanting to find a deeper meaning within themselves and stop this kind of you know, uh, dance of the lemmings where we just going through life, following one after the other, all the way off the cliff. And I, I, what did I, you create that term? <laughs> the lemmings? Yeah. No, do you know, that's what lemmings do. They like, all, no, they don't really. Yeah. Is that why it's called lemmings? Wait, yes. You tell me. So they walk off a cliff? Well, they just follow each other. There's no, there's no like 
So they'll like literally like the if they you know take a wrong turn or whatever, they literally will follow the the leader of the pack. I just off thought Lemmings <laughs> needed better PR. <laughs> I was like, why do you pick on the poor Lemmings? <laughs> I mean, I know people call I mean, them Lemmings, yes. but I didn't know why. Yeah, oh, that's man. why. Oh, that's so interesting. Plus, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, and you, so because with. Right. Your dad is also giving the message to go back to that for a second. Yeah. To, also to like, not just follow other people off the cliff. Totally. To be an artist. It's like all to, coming in. Yeah. To follow uh yeah. follow your own follow your bliss. Right. Joseph Campbell. So I out. so I um found this amazing um so many d- different authors and poetry and oh my god there's just so much out there it makes you feel so less alone because hey you, why don't you send us a, a list i will I, list. I would love to send you a list and i i think too it's like you realize that these people who wrote these things like god thousands of years ago and and all all across um history we're feeling the exact same thing. Is that crazy? It's nuts. My senior year of college, I took ancient philosophy. Um, and I'm kind of annoyed with it still because I took it pass fail because my first exam, I got a C plus or something insane. And I was like, what is this? Uh, so I took it pass fail so it wouldn't affect my GPA. And then, of course, I got an A minus. I'm still pissed off about it because uh, it didn't count. So uh, any college kids out there <laughs> listening to mom podcasts, don't take it past fail. How about just commit, right? Yeah. Especially if you're the type of person. Who- <laughs> Look, I should have known I'm not a pass fail person, right? Like, you know, you're that, so Bianca. not a pass fail. I can't do it. No. Of course, I still got name. I still killed myself. <laughs> Even though it wouldn't show, you so know, I, I got to show up. Point being, uh, took ancient philosophy and yeah that what i loved about it it's so comforting to read that these people are plagued by the same the crap. same thing it, it doesn't thousands matter thousands of years ago and they're still trying to figure it out yeah it means that it has nothing to do with like your job or it has nothing to do with like technology or even the the you know all the crazy presidential campaign like it has nothing to do with any of that stuff it has to do with what's in ourselves and what I realized, and it was this huge moment for me, was that um, the reason I kept feeling like I was dying is because there is a part of me that's dying. First of all, we're all dying every second of every day. We are. There, there, are, there are millions of cells in our body dying off every single day. And guess what? We're all going to die. It's going to happen. I know, a little depressing, but it's the truth. And what I found, though, that was so beautiful and stunning to me is this idea that spiritually and energetically, we are on a larger plane than we will ever, ever be able to understand in this lifetime. And that actually the meat of what happens to us and what is uh, a part of us is what happens before we get here and after we depart. And it brought such meaning to me. And also it was just crazy how at the same time, and my dad came through and then also um, this past Sunday was the six year anniversary anniversary of his death. Um, and, you know, I realized like we have this finite idea of like, we're born and we only have this time to do what we need to do. But the beauty is, is that we are actually these insanely powerful energetic beings that chose to come and have this experience on earth. And whether you're a religious person who believes in God or you're somebody who is uh, kind of more general in your definition, or even if you're just an atheist, um, the truth is, is that we are in essence, the energy that came here and manifested itself in these 
flesh and bone bodies. And, um, and this is supposed to be fun. Like this whole experience of life, it's supposed to be a party and we make it so hard on ourselves because all we do is focus on what we don't want. We focus on all the things that we don't want to happen to us. And you've heard that expression that worry is a prayer for what you don't want. So what did you not want? Oh my God, everything. Like I was, that's all, that's all all I was doing is I was thinking about what I didn't want. I was thinking about the jobs I didn't want. I was thinking about what I didn't want in my relationship. I was thinking about what I didn't want to be as a mother Mm -hmm. instead of embracing and engaging with the things that I do want to feel. We'll be right back. I've been reading a lot of Martha Beck lately, and she just keeps talking about play. And you have always been so big on that. And I always forget. And I, uh, I think that the best thing about having Sabrina is that if we allow it, mm-hmm. motherhood can really draw us back into the play. The play. And the, and the greatest thing about it is we have the single most powerful symbol of letting going of something, letting go of something and, and moving right into the next thing um, and choosing something else that's fun in front of us and our children, our children do such an amazing job of sure. They throw a tantrum and that may last for like 20 minutes. Um, but if you watch the minute that that's over, they're on to the next thing where mm-hmm. they're surveying the scene, where can I find fun again? And I think that's the issue. The problem is not having the emotions. The problem is how long do you hold on to them? And we as a society- well, no, And hold on to them and not actually feel them. But a lot of us hold on to emotions, like it becomes resentment or something. It curdles inside yeah. of us. It's not, we're not actually feeling it. Because if we felt it like our children feel it, it would be released. Yeah, I think, well, and and part of the problem is I think now it's like, it's become, you know, acceptable and almost like, we're encouraged to keep feeling it, keep being in it. And the fact of the matter is, is you can actually distract yourself from your emotions when you get like where I was. And by the way, clinical depression and clinical illness, mental illness is a whole different beast. And I'm not in in any way insinuating that people are, who are really in the thick of it can just snap themselves out of it. I get that, but you can reach for a feeling that feels better than where you're at. And this is what's crazy to me is that there's like a a spectrum of emotions essentially. And for some people who are like really low, so like at the highest spectrum of emotions, it's like joy, freedom, um, laughter, all of those things at the bottom is like hopelessness, despair, you know, horrible, heavy feeling suppression. Um, you know, we, we think of certain emotions as negative, like anger or frustration or pessimism, but sometimes those are feelings that make you feel better. Like if you are somewhere and you're feeling really super depressed and you get really mad about something, that feels better. That feels better than feeling depressed. So I think we've kind of taught ourselves that there are certain feelings that are negative and there are certain feelings that are positive, but really in the moment, it's what would make you feel better? What would actually allow you a sense of relief from the state that you're in? And I have found that to be so amazingly helpful for me to realize that there are no feelings that are essentially bad or good. And you see that in our kids. And this is a really important parenting tool, I feel like, because sometimes we'll get angry at our kids for or, or you know, punish them or um, scold them. 
for feeling something a certain way because we look at like, that's not great. She's acting out or whatever. But sometimes they're just doing it naturally because they naturally understand how to reach for a better feeling feeling. So for them, that's the answer to like, maybe if they're feeling confused and they don't understand what this feeling is that they're, that they're having, they might get angry because they're angry at being confused. And if you shut that down, you're not allowing them the actual natural progression through the spectrum of their feelings. Um, and, and one thing that I've realized too with Magnolia is that now when she has something that happens to her, instead of looking at what she's going through, I look at where I am. Mm-hmm. Be- and I know that's kind of like a duh, but I look at my, the intention behind what my reasoning is for how I want to deal with the behavior. So this is a really simple example of this, but the other day she put through stuff all over the floor and I was like, Magnolia, will you please pick that up? And she, of course, ignored me completely. Magnolia, please pick that up. Ignored me. I suddenly realized like the intention behind what I wanted was that I wanted to get her to listen to me. And I was like, well, that's, I mean, She's not going to do what I want her to do just because I want the satisfaction and gratification of knowing my child listens to me. I was like, what does Magnolia want? Magnolia wants a game. And so I said, hey, I don't, can you teach me how to pick these up? Can you show me the best way to pick these up? And oh my God, if it wasn't, a, I mean, there wasn't even a, a pause straight to picking them all up. <laughs> Sabrina's so competitive this morning. She had all of these little pom-poms. We were making a My Little Pony stable out of a shoebox. And uh, we were going to glue some pom-poms on it. And instead, she thought it would be really fun to shake the entire bag <laughs> of pom-poms all over the room. Of course. And there is that part of me, uh, the, you know, going generations back, as many of us can uh, attest to with our own families, that you, there's that di- dictator in yes. our head um, that wants to be like, why did you just do that? You can't make a mess like that, Right. But if I can see that her intention is to have fun or just like how crazy exciting is that to throw a huge bag of pom-poms all over the room and just see it rain down, that's why she did it. She didn't do it to spite me. And I think so many of us were raised where the parents took it so personally. You're like, no, 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 this is magic for her. This isn't, she's not doing it against you, right? And so like you, um, I tried to make a game out of it. Side note, I'll say what's the best way. And I realized Sabrina started talking to me like I was a real idiot. And I think it's because I kept, (laughs) I would ask her, oh, how do I do this? (laughs) So when you, when you notice uh, your toddler talking down to you, right? it might be a time for a change. Right, 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 right. But uh, we made it a competition. Like who could pick it up the fastest? And I've never seen that kid move faster. So you're right. Like how do we make it a game? And that's genius. Well, and also it's also, it's just like, I find myself too so many times being like, what, like starting to say something like, no, don't, please don't do that. Or you need to do that. And I, and then lately I've been like, why though? Like, why is, is that hurting anybody? I mean, has it so been ingrained within me, this fear that my child will be this in crazy, like just blatant slob if like I let her throw stuff all over the place? Because then like a couple of times I've been like, I'm I'm freaking joining in. Like who right. cares? And the laughter that ensued from that Aww. and this experience together of just being nutcases and doing this whole thing. And like it helped me to relax and release. And I totally. do think that there's like this voice in the back of our head that's that's the kind of societal standard of, 
well, this is how my child should behaving, be behaving at this point. You know, even the other day, Magnolia, <laughs> it's not funny, but it was really funny. So laying in bed, we we're watching cartoons together and she just hauls off and slaps me in the face. But I looked at her face and I could see the curiosity and it, it's not, she didn't do it. She didn't understand what she was doing. She wanted to know, like, if I do this, what happens? Right. So it's like, I'm not going to get mad at her for doing that. But I literally just turned to her and I said, you know what? That really hurts mama. And she looked at me and there, I could see the wheels turning, you know, and I kind of grabbed my face, like it hurt me. And I said, ow, but I, but I, my initial reaction was to get really mad. And I just went beyond that and looked at her and said, do you understand that that really hurts me? You took shame out of the equation. Yes. It came from such a place of this is the truth of this right, right now. And she just looked at me and she goes, I'm sorry, mama. And it, and I realized like so much of them, cause I want to haul off and hit people sometimes. I mean, I definitely feel that. And who says, like, obviously violence is not the answer, but sometimes it's just the curiosity of, like, I don't, I'm figuring out who I am as a person. What would happen if I did this? What would right. happen if I chose to follow this impulse? They're learning that. They're trying to figure that out. And I think sometimes when our response to that is to shame them or to make them feel badly about themselves or to get angry then they're just going to keep doing that for sure because this is the reaction I get. And by the way, it feels a little good to live on the edge, doesn't it? Don't we all feel that way? Like it feels a little good to like. I don't have any tattoos. If that's what you're asking, <laughs> we yes. should go get you one. Uh, should, actually, I've been kind of thinking about that. <laughs> Things are shifting for me clearly. Yes. Oh man, since I've been taking a break from acting, everything feels better. Oh like God. I can do anything with by my body. The way, that's I have like so a amazing. unibrow. It's like it's so great. I don't care anymore. And and again, because I'm following this thing that I really love, which is the podcast. Because it makes you feel good. Until next week, trust in your goodness. Live out your greatness. Rock, Rock on, on, Atomic, Atomic Moms. Moms. Oh, I felt so good to say that. <laughs> <laughs> We're both teary-eyed. <laughs>